I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group one of the best digital asset event and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed. Welcome back to Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode with Munib Ali, the CEO and co-founder of BlockSack PBC, and with Steve Kokinos, the CEO of Algorand. This is a special show because there is a new announcement that BlockSack and Algorand have jointly announced, and they are working on a new kind of smart contract language called Clarity. So we had a great conversation about the evolution of smart contracts and about how this all came about, two leading projects in the space working together. Uh, there's a lot of different functions here on interoperability and getting two different different chains working cohabitively together. And so this is really interesting to talk about that. We talked about why they're doing this and about the explosion of smart contracts and about the importance of making it a little bit easier. There's a lot of engineers out there who are not building blockchains and smart contracts because of the language. Um, and so this is a great conversation about that. Definitely, this is one to uh, take a listen to. Remember, nothing on my show is investment advice, so please do your own research before and enjoy the conversation with Monib and with Steve. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer, and it is a jam-packed one. Really excited about this. I have not had one of these instances before on the show. I have Steve Kokinos with us, the CEO of Algorand, and I have my friend Munib Ali, the CEO and co-founder of Blockstack PBC with me today. Steve and Munib, how are you guys? I'm doing great. Thanks for having us, David. Yeah, absolutely, David. Thanks for having me back. I know it's probably my third time or something. I know we're gonna have to start. We're gonna have to start charging you for this, Manib. <laughs> um, so there is a reason for the conversation. Uh, there was a thing that you guys just worked on uh, today, or actually a few days ago. You both, Blockstack and Algorand, jointly announced an independent open source project to support a first of its kind smart contract language called Clarity. And so the purpose of this podcast is to kind of educate people on everything that is happening here. This is pretty exciting because you guys are two leading projects in this space. And so why don't we do this before we get into Clarity, into everything here? um, Maybe what we can do is just a quick recap. Steve, for those that have not listened to the show before, and Al Grand was one of the first I had you and Silvio on, if you could, just for the people that are just starting to listen, just starting to get their eyes open to digital assets and blockchains, what is Algorand? Sure. Well, Algorand was created by uh, Silvio Micali, uh, as you mentioned. Um, Silvio is a touring prize-winning cryptographer and, you know, really one of the founders of, of modern cryptography. And, you know, what he found in Bitcoin and some of the, the other first-generation platforms uh, was, you know, incredibly innovative use of, of 
um, cryptography and distributed systems uh, work, but you know also uh, platforms that had a lot of drawbacks in terms of their ability to scale, um, drawbacks around security and, and other areas. And so Algorand is really a ground up effort to kind of rethink you know what's needed at layer one, uh, i.e. the consensus layer and, and sort of foundational blockchain uh, and bring that into uh, into the market. Uh, and we launched one year ago today. Uh, and so really our, our focus has been on first solving the blockchain trilemma. Um, you know, Algorand is, uh, confirms transactions in just a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's highly scalable. Uh, and then, you know, separately thinking about some of the um, other fundamental blockchain primitives that should exist on chain um, that help people avoid some of the problems uh, that have, have led to you know loss of money or theft of money. Uh, and so to that end, um, introduced uh, a standard called ASAs, which is Algorand Standard Assets that allows people to create assets of, of any form. Uh, you did a, do that in layer one, not with smart contracts, so it operates at the you know speed of the chain uh, and there's no performance hit as a result. Um, we also introduced atomic transfers, uh, which is the ability to swap assets, either um, single party, single asset, or multi-party, multi-asset in a single transaction. And then the, the, the third uh, is Algorand smart, ass, uh, smart contracts in layer one uh, with a programming language called Teal. And that's, you know, really the way to think about that is uh, assembly language um, kind of based um, system that uh, enables people to, to put smart contracts in there. One, um, and, you know, I'll, I'll dig into kind of our, our approach with clarity as we get into that. Um, but, you know, I think we've, we've seen a lot of interest in the, the platform over the past year and are, mm-hmm. you know, excited about the growth. So um, for anyone who isn't aware, please, please come uh, learn more about us. Awesome. Muneeb, for those that have not listened to the past two, you all are slackers if you haven't listened to the past two. But Muneeb, if you had to, for people that are just coming into this world, and I will say over the last four weeks, there has been a massive influx of new people that are starting to take a look at this world. Give them just a quick minute or two kind of brief on what Blockstack is. Yep, uh, absolutely. So I think the way to think about Blockstack is it's kind of like a developer stack for uh, a user-owned internet, right? So in, in in the sense that I think a lot of people are uh, independently looking at problems with the existing internet, and a lot of signs indicate that a next version of the internet would uh, have native crypto assets, would have more user ownership, and in, instead of relying on large companies like Google or Facebook, uh, it, it will actually reverse the power dynamic, right? So users would be directly in control of their data, their assets, uh, and it, it would be almost like a new uh, computing model, which is reverse of, of uh, cloud computing. And speaking of cloud computing, like that's what I was working on uh, during my PhD at Princeton University when I started kind of like uh, digging deeper into decentralized systems and ended up doing uh, my thesis on Blockstack effectively. And so it's a very interesting, sometimes I describe Blockstack as the uh, idea that escaped the research lab, right? Because we raised uh, venture capital, uh, we have done uh, some token offerings in a unique way, like we were the first ever SEC qualified token offering uh, where uh, people in the US were publicly able to participate uh, in buying the Stacks cryptocurrency. And one thing I would uh, point out about BoxSec is we are pretty uh, much like believers in Bitcoin, right? So we are uh, very much like pro uh, BTC and Mm -hmm. we innovate in the larger Bitcoin ecosystem. 
in the sense that the, the uh, our core uh, blockchain, the Stacks blockchain, it interconnects with Bitcoin. It treats Bitcoin as a reserve cryptocurrency, and it actually uh, derives some security benefits uh, from from Bitcoin as well. And I'll I can expand on that uh, down the road in terms of growth. Like I think. Uh, Early on, we did the R&D, then built the public infrastructure. And last year is when we really started seeing developers building interesting things on top. And I think we got more than uh, 400 independent applications on, on our network. And we're, we're super excited about it. That's amazing. So let's jump into the matter at hand. And it seems that to date, this is the first time two projects such as yourselves, and I said they are leading projects have come together to release an alternative smart contract language. And so I'm curious if we wanted to start getting into clarity. First, I want to know, how did this all come about? Was it just you guys getting together at a conference one day and saying, hey, we've got this, we've got that? How did this all, what was the catalyst behind actually the foundational building of clarity? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to give a little bit of background and let Steve uh, add on to it. So basically, I think... Uh, before even we get into clarity, I would say that uh, a bigger thing over here is that there is mutual respect for the teams, right? Like even when Algorand was starting off, I remember uh, personally getting very excited to see people like Silvio Micali now getting into this space because this is something that I was proactively trying to do, right? Like I would go to the top computer science conferences, like we would publish like our research there on on blockchains and related to Blockstack. And I'll try to convince the existing uh, kind of like top computer scientists that this is a very interesting area. They should look into it. They should try to work in it. So I think there were, there was always the the admiration for the team and this need almost in our industry for more sophisticated players to move in for you know uh, like our our top brains so to speak to come in and help work on the fundamental problems here. And when that started happening, uh, it's it's a little bit like uh, if you are. For example, if you go to a computer science conference and let's say it's focused on scalability of cloud computing, there's a mutual language there. There's a mutual understanding of uh, underlying challenges and people can collaborate and work together towards uh, solutions to those problems. One thing that I was personally seeing in the crypto industry is that because it was so relatively new and the approaches were not coming from traditional kind of like industry uh, or traditional even uh, research labs, uh, there was a lack of even understanding of what the core challenges are and a lack of terminology of like, how do we cooperate and work, work towards these things? So when Algorand started working and it clearly, you know, the interactions that we have had with the team, uh, every time we will interact, we will feel that, you know, uh, for the first time we're having that basic uh, base level understanding that yes, these are the challenges, these are the right approaches, these are the wrong approaches, and it and the more we did that, the more it just started making sense that uh, it, it's way better to kind of like join forces and work towards a, a single kind of like open source uh, programming language versus trying to have a slightly different version of two languages in in, in two projects. Yeah, and I'll I'll just you know to add on to what Muneeb had to say uh, first, just to echo um, you know we have a term, tremendous around amount of respect for Muneeb and, and the team at Blockstack, um, and you know as somebody who came in sort of new to the market, uh, you know both very helpful, but also I think um, very philosophically um, uh, aligned with with some of our beliefs, and I think um, one of the things that that sort of led to this collaboration on clarity is, you know, I think we both believe very strongly that 
uh, developer experiences need to improve dramatically uh, and uh, need need to across you know, a variety of different areas in order for uh, mainstream developers and mainstream applications to take hold in the you know crypto and blockchain markets. Um, and you know as our own researchers started to, to think about um, what a general purpose smart contract language might look like, um, you know, we realized pretty quickly that uh, it was very similar to, you know, what Blockstack was already working on with Clarity. And, you know, I think those discussions sort of developed from there. But, um, you know, we're really excited to be working on it. And I think uh, it does represent a big step forward in terms of, of bringing the simplicity that we have in more traditional um, computer programming and web applications into, uh, into the blockchain world. And so let's go into the actual kind of meat and potatoes of this. So smart contracts have been around, as we all know, Bitcoin has been around in existence for over 10 years now. Ethereum came onto the scene kind of live around 2014 and 15. And the big thing there is that the ushering in of the smart contract, that was something basically using the Turing completeness of the Ethereum network with the EVM and with the ability to execute these things that were being designed and written on Solidity. However, as I've talked about for over the last year and a half, Solidity is not the most user-friendly language for those that have been writing code for a while. And so it has, in some cases, in my opinion, kind of slowed down the adoption of the engineering and the development community from really embracing this. And so I'm curious, you know, with over a billion dollars locked up in smart contracts, with the ushering in and the explosion, the cambering explosion, if you will, of DeFi. Talk to me about kind of what you, from a fundamental level, what were you trying to address with Clarity? Is it because some of the pre-existing languages that were being used were difficult or was there more to it? Was there more security? Is there more enhancements? Kind of talk to me about why you actually went about and did this. Yeah, all right. So I think the way to think about this is uh, if you if you look at a spectrum, right, and you look at Bitcoin and the scripting capabilities of Bitcoin, they're on one end of the spectrum of basically uh, very few opcodes. Uh, purposely, uh, there are actually certain uh, opcodes which were implemented but disabled in the original Bitcoin code, right? So, so the original designers Satoshi Nakamoto uh, and and others they were pretty much like on purpose, trying to not give a, lo a lot of kind of uh, features in that scripting language and we're limiting it uh, because that was very important for security. And I actually agree with that design decision. Bitcoin does one job and does that really well. And, and that's the right design decision there. And I think smart contracts really, uh, in, uh, in our industry at least, took off when uh, Ethereum uh, basically went to the other end of the extreme, right? Like they just took a, a JavaScript-like language to fork it and say that you can build whatever you want. This is Turing complete. Just go ahead, go crazy, and and you know, uh, it's 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 almost like the complete opposite end of the spectrum, which obviously led to a lot of experimentation. But if you would go to uh, like programming languages researchers, like people who do this for a living. Right. Uh, my my guess is, and my experience has been, the people would disagree with that approach. Right. Like, if you do want to introduce 
more features in the in the programming language, make it more expressive, going all the way to the other, other end of the, the spectrum is probably not what you want to do there, right? Because smart contracts, by definition, uh, the main thing there is security, right? It's code that is running on... Uh, on untrusted devices, like once you publish something, it's very hard to kind of like change it. And people are keeping uh, digital assets worth hundreds of millions of dollars on, on these contracts. So the way to kind of like approach which language to use to program these things, it has to be heavily, heavily driven by the security aspects versus uh, trying to make it expressive and just letting people go crazy with, let them write whatever you want to write. So that was kind of like our approach uh, in uh, in thinking about clarity. Yeah, and I think our, you know on our side, you know, the thinking really is if if, if you look at what people are using smart contracts for, uh, it's really about communicating value between uh, between parties. And um, you know, one of the issues that's out there is you know, a tremendous amount of money uh, has been lost or stolen as a result of problems in those contracts. And you know, the need for formal verification uh, of every application. Uh, is, you know, in our view, overly cumbersome and again, kind of another uh, deterrent from people, you know, building, uh, building novel things. And so I think there is a fine line between uh, enabling people to experiment and be innovative, which certainly Solidity and Ethereum have done, um, but then also, you know, finding kind of the right place so that you can protect users and make sure that they um, don't have the need as cumbersome needs in, in every single app, every single app that they develop. And so that, that's been sort of our thinking from day one, which is why we've done a lot in terms of layer one uh, primitives, codify them in the, the protocol itself so that they have safety and security there. And our thinking has extended into um, smart contract languages is, you know, I think very similar that you need to really focus on those. And it's not always the case that it's the right thing um, to give people absolute freedom. Sometimes you have to, you find the right line, um, especially when you're, you're talking about value and, and money that's changing hands. So I'd love to get a little deeper into this. So Clarity is a decidable language, uh, and I'd love you to kind of break that down. But effectively, from what I understand, is that developers with certain mathematical certainty know the program will work ahead of time or not. And so would love to hear this, because this has been an issue, and you've seen other layers on to smart contract platforms pop up that handle privacy, that also handle insurance. So we've had, you know, Hugh from Nexus Mutual come on. And one of the reasons why they exist is just to ensure that if a smart contract goes bust, that those that are dependent on it can get uh, taken care of. And so what is a decidable language and how is that important to this? Yeah, so I think the, the way to think about a decidable language is that the language is designed in a way that before you run the program, you can actually do very comprehensive analysis on the, on the program without running it, right? And you know exactly which code paths are going to execute and what the program can and cannot do, right? So almost think of this as uh, like some of the insurance things that you're bringing up are, you know, code audits became a big in, uh, industry uh, following the, the problems with uh, solidity type smart contracts. And code audits are a little bit like manual work, right? You're getting humans to look at your code and they're trying to find problems. Uh, a decidable language basically is I would say a hundred X better than that because it's it's making everything automated, right? So even before running code, you could do very comprehensive analysis on it, and there can be mathematical proofs that this program uh, can only do X and Y and would not do like these other things, 
right? So that's that's kind of like uh, what it means from a from a design of the language perspective. But I think an analogy would be a little bit like uh, JavaScript is a language that people use for building websites, right? And it's like easy to pick up and, and people will just deploy a thing, experiment with thing. And if a website crashes, like no one really cares that much, right? Whereas if you look at how code is written for, uh, for like an airplane, like it really matters if the plane crashes or doesn't crashes, right? So the level of sophistication in those computer systems, like the amount of formal verification that goes into the program that is actually controlling an aircraft, is very different from uh, a website on the internet. And what we're really saying is that these smart contracts, given you know, how much uh, value is being kept in these contracts, like hundreds of millions of dollars, the programming language needs to be si similar to what's being used on an aircraft and not what was being used on a throwaway website. Understood. And so I think one of the other key things about this joint partnership is interoperability. And this has been another Cambrian explosion over the last year is that you're starting to see different chains and different projects start to be able to work together more harmoniously. And so I would love to kind of get into this because I think this is integral to the further explosion and the further adoption and the further build out of robust platforms and applications within distributed and decentralized architecture. So talk to us a little bit about the interoperability hurdles. How difficult was it to be able to do that, especially in, in light of a kind of a post-COVID world where we're all working, you know, remotely, we're all kind of working distributed, you know, would love to hear kind of the the hurdles and the kind of the difficulties of having this interchain kind of communication work together. Yeah, well, maybe why don't I take a, a first pass at this and then, you know, Manip can, can add in uh, more detail. But I think just to your first comment, uh, I think interoperability is is very important. Um, as the ecosystem matures, uh, I think it's certainly um, going to be the case that uh, people will use different chains for different purposes. And I think like we've seen, uh, you know, other application stacks uh, sort of build up in, in whether it's cloud computing or you know, the web and other areas, uh, I think certainly that's that's likely to be an outcome here. Um, the other is, I, I think as new applications emerge in different places, um, you know, different aspects will live on different chains, assets will live in different chains natively. So, so the ability to, to move things around uh, and allow developers to um, kind of use the best tools um, for each job at hand, I think is is very important. Uh, and I think that, you know, what's exciting about, you know, the approach to Clarity is that while, you know, obviously uh, Lockstack has one approach to smart contracts in terms of execution, Algorand has a slightly different approach. Um, you know, the, the idea that developers only have to learn one language and they can take advantage of uh, the underlying chain that makes the most sense for um, whether they're creating an asset or, you know, using other building ap application building blocks, I think is um, is something that, you know, we hope will take hold over time and will ultimately lead to, you know, much simpler experiences overall as people start to think about, you know, just getting their work done and building their applications versus having to think about, you know, learning the sort of particulars of every chain that they may want to interact with. So I think, you know, from our standpoint, you know, this is a, a step in the right direction for sure. Um, you know, and I think like Muneef said earlier, uh, you know, we have, I think we're very aligned in terms of, you know, the way we're thinking about this. And so, you know, I think it's been pretty easy for our researchers to engage, um, you know, irrespective of remote or not. So I don't think that's been much of a problem here. Yeah, I would just echo what uh, Steve said that I, I do think that uh, if you look at the crypto industry right now, there's a lot of uh, kind of like 
almost like competition between projects or uh, a little bit of a tribal mentality, which just like sounds like funny to me, given like how early this is. Like this is like, this is still like very, very early days uh, of the industry. Like think of this as like 99% of the developers out there have never written a smart contract, right? And at some point they will, because this is such a fundamentally uh, new thing that to be able to, just like at some point developers learned how to build websites and, you know, internet services, like they're going to learn how to interact with blockchains and write smart contracts because that's what, that's where the world is moving. So, so keeping that lens in mind, uh, like we actually want to collaborate with uh, other projects, especially like high quality projects like, uh, like Algorand and not kind of like spend cycles on reinventing the wheel. Like, as I said, that uh, when we were talking to the Algorand team, like we were actually not even talking about the, semantics of the language, but we were talking about the design principles, right? Like how should a language like this uh, work? And there was, I would say more than 80 to 90% overlap in just the design principles of what, what type of a solution is really needed here. And then it becomes very easy. Like if you have, uh, if you have agreement on the design principles, then it becomes very easy to actually work on the specific language and the semantics of it and, and, and so on. And one, the key thing that I really want to highlight is, uh, yes, it helps to uh, it helps the developers who just learn one language and then decide you know which chain makes more sense to deploy a contract there, uh, and it it obviously makes a lot of sense to uh, have uh, kind of like joint you know developer growth activities and really as I said the blue ocean of developers is outside right so the 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 easier it becomes to go and talk to these developers outside of crypto the the better it is but one key thing is. Uh, the interchain communication part, which I think actually unlocks a uh, huge value. So the way to think of interchain communication is uh, almost like native support uh, in blockchains where you could basically trigger some sort of a state change uh, in, let's say, Algorand from a contract that is deployed on the Stacks blockchain. Right. So that, that to me is actually uh, can unlock a lot of uh, huge value because that's truly then a internet of blockchains, right? Because right now the approaches that we're seeing in the industry are a little bit like, well, make everything go through my blockchain and that's, that's how you can have a internet of blockchains. And that's, that's, not, that's not really the design we're looking for. We're looking for true direct communication between blockchains. And I think Clarity can potentially help there because you can imagine a developer that is writing a, a, a piece of code publishes you know, one part of the code on Algorand, publishes the other part of the code on the Stacks blockchain, and these two things can directly uh, talk to each other. And th- this particular feature is in R&D phase right now, but I'm, I'm super, super excited about it. And yeah, as we are too. I think that's a, a key to you know, you know, uh, helping people create better applications. And just to add on to one thing that you said, Munib, um, you know, for listeners who aren't necessarily aware of the scale, yeah, there's probably something in the neighborhood of 100,000 developers uh, working on blockchain today. Uh, there's close to 20 million who aren't. Uh, and so you know, there's a long way to go uh, for blockchain development to be truly mainstream. And I, I really, uh, I know that, you know, we're both strong believers that you have to solve some of these details um, in order to enable kind of the, the longer tail of developers to, to feel comfortable starting to come in and build. That's right. And... Aside from that, obviously having tooling there and having it an environment that is easy and conducive to doing things. And also I love this kind of, you know, kind of concept that we talked about in terms of decidable uh, language. 
having the ability to kind of proof it and test it before it goes. I think that's really super interesting. One other quick question, um, and not a gotcha question, and not something that we necessarily talked about, but as we talk about the the world of smart contracts, um, Muni, maybe you want to take a stab at this. So just so people can understand, and we've done a lot of work on smart contracts on the show before, so this is not alien to anybody, but you know, in a basic way of linking about smart contract, you have someone that says, okay, if A plus B equals C. And so within that kind of equation, A and B obviously need to have data. So if if I book this plane ticket for March of 2021, when we can fly again, you know, I want to make sure that if, you know, plus B, that, you know, my insurance on there, you know, obviously continues to tick and that if there's any problems there, that, you know, equal C, that I get a reimbursement. And so within that, you need to have data and you need to have data integrity there. And that, you know, kind of goes into the Oracle uh, kind of complexities. Is there anything with the Oracle data that is in kind of configuration with what you guys are doing here? Yeah, so I think uh, you, you've just described the, the problem setting really well here, that there is, whenever you're talking about external events, like events that the blockchain doesn't have any information on, you very quickly start getting into this concept of oracles, right? So, uh, and, and it gets, it very quickly becomes a little bit deeper in the sense that there is some level of trust on the oracle because uh, if the oracle can trigger something, then really the oracle is in control of like which way the uh, code execution would work and, and, and so on. So I think like in terms of the programming language itself, uh, there is almost like no special need uh, for 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 the support here, but in general, like I think one thing that Clarity does have is this concept of uh, post conditions, right? And post conditions are basically another security checkpoint. Uh, what what the post conditions say is, regardless of what happened in the contract, if these things are kind of like not true, uh, or however you want to configure it, just abort everything, right? So it's a little bit like you know. Uh, depending on whatever the oracle said and what happened if you know your money is being transferred out or you are actually losing money on something at the end of the contract uh, don't execute it right so it's like test checks and checks like these that have been uh, uh, these post conditions are built into the language so it becomes very easy uh, for programmers to explicitly think about them uh, these conditions and then use these safety features as as needed that's great. Um, I'm not going to nitpick here, but one other question, because I know, you know, obviously, technically, you're a genius with this stuff. With that particular situation, Munib, and again, not a gotcha, not a, you know, try to tricky question, but if there was ever a dispute, and this has come up a little bit more that, you know, if there is a smart contract and it executes and, you know, one of the parties of the smart contract is unhappy with it or, says that it wasn't meant to be that way, there's some sort of level of dispute. Do you need to have that with this? Or is that with all the decidable language, kind of the pre-programming that that's kind of resolved? Yeah, that's a very, very interesting question. And it actually uh, makes me talk about a, a thing I'm pretty excited about uh, for, for clarity. So the way we look at these disputes is uh, this, there's this term in uh, crypto that code is law, right? And the interesting thing is that with the one big difference of Clarity is that uh, it, there's no compiler, 
right? Which is actually very different. Like you're not, because we think that even the compiler itself can introduce bugs into programs. And it's a, it's a known thing in, in uh, other kind of like use cases and where compilers have done a, a fair amount of damage uh, in, in the past. So imagine that over here, the security is so important that we almost don't even use a compiler and we wanna make sure that the code that the developer intended to write and the code that they uh, kind of like checked that hey, this is exactly what the program is going to do and not going to do is very transparent. So the source code actually gets published at the blockchain uh, level. And a side benefit of that is that that also means that if there is a dispute, everyone can look at the source code and source code is much, much easier to understand than compiled code, right? And, and so I think that's a side benefit of Clarity where if people are disagreeing that what should have been the outcome, they can all look at the blockchain and the, literally the source code that is there and basically go where this was the intention and this is what the program should have done. Whereas that becomes very hard uh, if the source of truth, the code is law thing, is actually a bunch of gibberish uh, computer code, the compiled code that, that was actually written to the, to the blockchain. That's great. Thank you for that. And Steve, I think this last question is for you. I know Silvio has talked about this, but in terms of thinking on kind of the macro backdrop of the importance of clarity for furthering of adoption, I know from the institutional investor side, everyone has asked me for years, well, when is it going to start to be used? When is it going to be start to be used? You know, who's doing it? Who's doing what with this? Talk to us a little bit about the importance of this in terms of furthering the adoption curve. Sure. Well, I think what we're starting to see is, you know, definitely a growing diversity in the the types of participants in the market. Um, obviously, there's been an explosion in, in DeFi applications that we think are are really exciting. Um, you know, at the same time, uh, big banks, payment networks are, you know, looking at how they take advantage of of blockchain technology. You know, and now we're starting to see this sort of emerging area of central bank digital currencies, where countries are thinking about. Um, how they do that. And so I, I think, you know, while in the past uh, there's been sort of debates, I think as you get into things like scalability, security, um, you know, especially security of smart contracts, um, I think these are real problems that people are thinking about. And I, I think that there's, you know, a, a very interesting opportunity to be um, one of the base technologies that people use for, um, you know, years or decades to come uh, for, you know, very enduring applications. And I, I think if you if you just take a step back and look at um, you know the innovation and kind of the sh changes that um, the internet has um, you know brought to the world, I, I think you know in terms of the way value and money change hands, um, you know, we're going to see something similar over over the next you know ten or twenty years. Um, and so I, I think that these you know these technologies, like the importance of them, can't be really be understated. Um, but I think this idea that also that uh, you know one form of application or another, or a certain kind of investor or another, um, you know, ultimately just sort of shows up one day. Uh, you know, I think it's a continuum where people you know increasingly get more comfortable. Uh, technologies, um, you know, like Blockstack and Algorand, um, you know, ultimately uh, become available and and. Uh, make developers more comfortable, make institutions more comfortable that these are technologies they can rely on. And so I, I think we're, um, you know, we're starting to move in the, the right direction. And I think all the signs that we're seeing in the market would suggest that there's, um, you know, quite a few mainstream mainstream applications and, and quite a few types of applications uh, that people are starting to deploy now. And, um, you know, we're seeing hundreds of applications being built on Algorand right now. I know Blockstack is seeing something similar. So um, we're really excited for kind of you know how that uh, plays out over the next little bit but 
I think we're for sure in a different place uh, than you know even a few years ago in the the crypto and blockchain markets where when it was sort of early days, I think now, you know, we're seeing people really think about um, enduring applications. And, and I think a lot of the new entrants in the market are very exciting. Awesome. And so where can people who are listening find out more about this project? So I think, uh, as we said earlier, that uh, Clarity is structured as an independent open source project. And uh, the, the way to learn more about it is uh, claritylang.org. And there's a, there's a dash in the middle. Uh, even though I hate that, it's a convention in programming languages. Like, for example, the Rust programming language has yep. dash lang.org. So mm-hmm. we just follow the convention. Uh, there's a little bit of a, you know, engineers are doing the things that the, they like doing uh, happening here. And uh, uh, there's an independent GitHub as well uh, for uh, Clarity, which is uh, also called uh, Clarity Lang on awesome. GitHub. So that, that's for the uh, for the independent uh, Clarity project. Awesome. And obviously, we'll make sure that everyone has uh, the notes where they can find out more about Algorand and Blockstack. Steve and Monib, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is exciting. And again, two leading projects coming together and hopefully making adoption curves and engineer curving easier. And so thank you for coming on and we'll be hopefully catching up with you again, uh, maybe in about six months or so. Thanks so much, David. It was really nice talking to you. Awesome. Uh, As always, thanks. Thanks a lot, David. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.